Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Let me see how we're doing here. Let's not even clap today. Let me just see how we're feeling. Two eight. Not good. Not good. Eight o'clock service, much better than you. Older, right? Let's try again. Two eight. All right, so if you weren't here last week, I just isolated you. They would say that's not a good way for a speaker to start. And so, uh, but I just, if you've never been here before, um, I want to welcome you. In Montgomeryville, I want to welcome you. Usually I make you clap because uh, I don't know what else to do. It's super awkward when the lights come up. And so we just clap. And, uh, but this sermon series that we're, we're doing, uh, this, this topic that we're talking about, if this is your church, probably the most important sermon series that we've done in, in four years. And, and, and the reason is, the last time we did a sermon series like this was pre-COVID. And uh, I, gotta, I gotta apologize to you. I'm, I'm the pastor. Um, I control uh, through what the Holy Spirit is speaking to me and leading me. I control the direction of the church. And I haven't done a good enough job as your pastor, if this is your church, of teaching you uh, what I wanna teach you today. And uh, it, is, it is some of the last words that Jesus spoke before he went back to heaven. And so I think it is super important to know Matthew 28, uh, verse number 19, as as a church. And so last week we started with it. If you weren't here, I want to remind you of what Matthew 28, uh, verse number 19 says. Watch what it says. It says, therefore, we we started there, remember? Uh, We started there. What are we we there for? What are are we here for? And so before we move on, let's just go back and establish the gospel. The gospel says everyone has sinned. Everyone say everyone. everyone. And so that's an important thing. That means you're not a good person. I just, I just want to offend you right from the start today if you've never been here before. You're not a good person. Me, I'm not a good person. Everybody you look at, everyone has sinned. Here's what the Bible says about sin. Here's the problem. Sin separates you from God both now and forever. Not only does it break your life in, on this planet, but it causes you to be separated from God forever in a place. Want to get real deep real fast? Can I do this? Because next service, they want this, right? And so uh, can I do this in the 10 o'clock service? This is like the very churchy, you know, this is the best time for us. We come here because this is the best time. We can still get to brunch church service. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so I don't know how much I can share this with you. Uh, but the Bible says, just can I, get, can I get, the Bible says, when you have sin in your life and you don't have a relationship with God through his son, that sin separates you both now and forever in a place called hell. I told you it was going to get serious. That, that's, that's the, if, if you don't get that part of it, now, I need you to understand. Anytime I talk about hell, I never talk about hell, hell and smile. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that people don't know that the wages of sin is death and hell, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, for anyone who calls on his name shall be saved. I think our our world needs to hear that message. And the problem is, I told you last week, not only does most most church people not know it, but only 3%, statistically speaking, actually participate in it. 
So could you imagine if 15, 16, 1,700 people walk through our doors on, on a Sunday morning here in Montgomeryville, and when they walk through our doors, they get activated in this Matthew 28, verse 19, and we actually go back out into our world, and we participate in what the Lord is calling us to participate in. We wouldn't be able to hold the people that were coming to Jesus. So this is a really important message. Some of you, you're Bible people, you're like, did you ever read the book of Revelation? I'm like, yeah, wake up. Stop posting it on your Facebook, and why don't you tell your neighbor about Jesus? Like, let's get, the whole point of this, I told you I'm going to get real serious real fast. I mean, this is your first Sunday. Just put your seatbelt on, right? We're just going to, we're going to go. And so the point of this message is if you're a follower of Christ, let, let's go. And so I want to show you what, what it says. It actually says that in Matthew 28. It says, therefore, can you bring that back up for me and just show me, what's the very next word? What does it say? Everybody tell me again. So I'm going to teach you, because here's the thing about it. Um, I don't know about you, but when somebody starts to tell me to share my faith, um, it's intimidating. I also think of all the silly ways that people do it. In fact, uh, the word for sharing your faith is to go out and evangelize. Uh, the Greek word for it actually means to, uh, gospel, like to gospeling, like, like, uh, gospeling, like, uh, caroling, Right? What's caroling? You take good songs that you want to listen to by yourself and you get a group of people together and you randomly show up at a stranger's doorstep and you start singing awfully and wreck their night. That's what caroling is. <laughs> and some people will say, no, 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 I like it. Yeah, very few people like it, right? So here's what I found. When you talk about evangelism, there's all different ways of doing it, right? Like there's all different ways. My favorite way to evangelize is just go door to door, start knocking. Nothing says you're part of a cult more than that. Hey, I'm your neighbor down the road. Just want you to know, everyone has sinned. Sin deserves both death and hell. It says it in the book of Romans. Have you ever read it? No, I just got done watching reruns of The Office. What's Romans, right? The wages of your sin is death and hell. But good news, the gift of God is eternal life to Christ Jesus our Lord. So if you want to pray right now the sinner's prayer, we can make that happen right now. Let me take an offering. Right, or, or, or my, my, my favorite, when I was a kid, uh, Bible tracks, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever get a Bible track? I'm not saying they don't work. I remember a whole sermon when I was a teenager. Youth pastor preached a sermon on sharing our faith on the topic of Bible tracks. And he gave us ideas of how to pass out Bible tracks. This is a true story. This is what I learned in church growing up. It's amazing that I'm even here still. And so um, the story, the, what he said is go into the bathroom when you go to, go to the rest, restaurant, go into the bathroom, unroll the toilet paper. And then uh, put tracks in the toilet paper and roll it back up as you're putting tracks in the toilet paper. And then when people are going to the business, you'll have a captive audience when they're, when, they're, when they're doing their thing. And they'll decide their fate of eternity while they're in the stall at a McDonald's. Let's do it. And I'm not saying that that stuff doesn't ever work. Ever work, right? Like sometimes going on the street corner with a bullhorn yelling at people in the middle of Phoenix, it might work. Maybe. You know, my, my day and age, we got like cooler, like in the 90s and the 2000s, we were like more chill with the gospel, we don't be pushy. So we did, started doing nice stuff for people, we gave out waters with Bible verses on it, right, or, or we would show up and pump people's gas and take like 15 cents off and tell them about Jesus, right, and, and there are all these methods, they like kind of, because like anytime you talk about this, like people are like, well that works sometimes, you're right. It's like the lottery. You ever notice how many people play the lottery at Wawa? I'll be in there yesterday, I was getting money out of the ATM and there's a line at the lottery machine as if that was the answer to future wealth in your life. 
And I was taking money out of the, out of the, the debit machine, and I watched two people walk away deject, dejectedly because they didn't win any money. Duh, right? And then they were talking to each other, and he was trying to encourage her. It was an older man or older woman trying to encourage her. Hey, I have a friend's friend's grandma's dog's cousin that did a scratch-off and has won $2,000 for life. And she's like, seriously? And they walk walking back to it. And listen, I know some people win, sometimes at the lottery, somebody has to win, but most people do what? So mo listen, I know those ways of sharing faith, like those ways of evangelizing, of gospeling, right? Like I know some of those ways occasionally somebody's like, oh, this is a really cool track, or thank you for approaching me in the middle of my dinner and ruining it. Yes, I want to know Jesus, or, or you know, like every once in a while somebody, it works, and so I don't want to dog that way of doing it, but I do think that we should figure out what the most effective way to do it is, Right? Let's not, let's not play the lo scratch-off lottery. Well, every once in a while, we get a winner. Like, there's a world that we need to effectively reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do is I want to teach you the way that I have seen to be the most effective. Now, let me just tell you, I didn't go into my room this week and get on my whiteboard, smart board, and start writing stuff out and say, hey, let me, let me just see what sticks. Let me just preach this message, see what sticks. I'm telling you, I learned this over a decade ago as a pastor from another pastor, and it's absolutely changed my, my ability, my, my uh, influence, my opportunity to share my faith with the world. If, if God calls us to go do it, if he says, go into all the world, to preach the gospel, then we should probably figure out a way that actually changes and reaches and is effective in people's lives. And so what I, what I want to do is I want to show you that from a story in scripture involving Jesus. I think that's a pretty good spot to go. Let's, let's, let's read a story that involves Jesus, right? John chapter 1, verse number 43, the Bible says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, and everybody tell me what that word says. That's an important word. Jesus decides to leave Galilee. Jesus does nothing by accident. Everything is on purpose. He left Galilee to find who? Jesus, real quick, he's a pursuing. He's a knocking at the door of people's hearts. He's outside eyes. Everything he did with mission, I'm trying to, this is what I'm trying to teach you. You're not at your work by accident. You're not at your school by accident. Your, your kids aren't on that sports team by accident. You're not in that neighborhood by accident that you've been sent on mission to go find people. The Bible says that we're called to fish for people. Everywhere you go, what if, what if you started seeing that? Nothing is by accident. What if you pulled your, your head out of your spiritual backside, right, every once in a while, and you got your eyes focused where they should be? What if your life was bigger than you, your family, your desires, your fillies, your eagles, everybody else? You know some of you are like, I'm not going to church tomorrow. The eagles or the fillies lose. So I'm staying home, right? Like, so the only reason you're here is because the fillies won. You got to thank God and ask him to do it again. What if, what, if we, what if we started to develop this, right? The Bible says that, that Jesus finds Philip and he says, follow me. Now, now, the Bible summarizes a lot of things. I think there's more conversation that goes on than that. I think he has conversation. Jesus is really good at talking to people. And uh, Philip decides to follow Jesus. Now, here's what's so interesting. A lot of us get to this point, but we never take the next step in our faith. 
Let me show you what the next step is. The Bible says that Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida, which, by the way, your greatest amount of influence should always be the closest place to where you live. That's why I think it's silly. Christians, historically, will spend thousands of dollars to go do a missions trip to some country, third world country, and they can't even tell their neighbors about Jesus. Like, like, like that country needs your faith that doesn't work here to come there and do something for them. Is this too much? Like this, when I preach this, I just, I just want to be like I was when I was 25. I didn't care. There's only like three people here. So you didn't care if there was a church split. You didn't like th- one of them, right? Like I just, like, he goes back to his town that he's from, and he finds a man named Nathaniel, which is his friend. Just walk on the street corner, tap a stranger on the shoulder, and just met Jesus. The wages of sin is death and hell. To get to, he finds Nathaniel, played soccer with Nathaniel. He has, maybe, maybe their wives are friends. Maybe they, they have business together. He goes to Nathaniel, and the Bible says he tells Nathaniel, I found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And I love this part. He says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? <laughs> Nathaniel asked, Philip said this. This is really important. This is, this is, this is literally life-changing as a follower of Christ. He says, Come and see. We're going to come back to this in a second. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael says, How do you know me? Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. Jesus says, you believe because I told you I saw you under a fig tree. You're going to see even greater things. Let me just give you four four things. What, What does it look like? to share your faith. What is evangelism? What is gospeling? What is, what is the most effective way? Number one is this. Um, sharing your faith, real simple. We taught this for years. We learned this years ago. Is sharing something you love with someone you love. Sharing your faith is sharing something you love with someone. So let me, let me just start here. Can I just start right here and uh, just ask you as a Christian, are you actually in love with the gospel? It's really important. Because I see you. I know how you act when you love something. I see it online. I, I know how you act. I see how excited you get over oils and exercise and restaurants and sports. Woo! I see it. I see, I see first day of the year school pictures and last day of the year school pictures and Halloween costumes and Halloween parties and everything we get excited about, we share. We can't do it and not share it. So let me, maybe the reason as a church, as a whole, me, you, everybody in our church, maybe the reason we have such a hard time sharing the gospel is because the truth is we don't love the gospel enough. We, 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 we don't understand eternity. We focus on temporary We put our time, our talent, our treasure, our thought, our stress, our anxiety into things that in a hundred years, can I just, can we just lean into this? Not going to matter. Temporary, earthly things. I do it myself. And the reason I have such a hard time sharing the gospel in a normal way with people, if I take an evaluation, 
is I'm not falling more and more in love with the gospel. I've been a Christian for a long time. That's why the Bible says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. God, remind me what it feels like to know you, what it felt like to meet you, what it felt like to live without you. It's sharing something you love with someone you love. That's what, that's what they did. Philip meets Jesus. We don't know what happened, but we know Jesus changes his life. He changes the trajectory of his life. He, he, he meets him. He calls him. Philip is, he has a new job. He has a new calling. He has a new direction. And immediately he goes back to the, home, the hometown that he grew up in, and he finds a friend who he loves. And by the way, that's another thing. The reason we can't share our faith as effectively as we want is sharing our faith with other people is about them, not us. That means you're a Jehovah's Witness if it's about you. You ever get knocked on your door, it's Jehovah's Witness, they want to share their faith? Can I just be really honest with you and tell you a little bit about the Jehovah's Witness cult? There's only a certain amount of people that are getting into, into heaven. There's only a certain number. And most of the time, you're probably not going to get there. So when they share their faith with you, they're not sharing their faith with you so that hopefully you convert to their faith. They're sharing your faith with you because it's going to benefit them in the next reality, the next eternity. It gets them more treasure if they tell you about their cult. And so if you're sharing your faith, in a way, that's why it doesn't make sense to go on a street corner and just yell at people you never met before. It doesn't work. People are like, who's this weirdo? I'm like, shut up, weirdo. It's sharing something you love with someone, with someone you love. The Bible says that Philip goes and finds Nathaniel. And if you don't think this is effective, they did a study on this. They pulled 10,000 church people. They said, how did you get to church? How did you arrive at faith? What, what happened? 3% said they had a special need. They just showed up. 3% said they just walked in. Could you imagine those 3%? They're just minding their own business. They walked into church. 6% said they liked the pastor. That's very low. <laughs> Offensive, right? 1% said I visited, right? 5% said I liked the Bible classes. A half a percent said they liked the gospel meeting, which I don't even know what that is. 3% said they enjoyed the ministries, the kids' ministry, the youth ministry. 79%, you know what they said? I got to church because a friend invited me. If you don't think it's true, I mean, I, I'm here. I'm here today because my mom uh, grew up in a house this is, this is like without, without a dad. Her dad died of a heart attack when she was just a young girl. Her mom was a, a Catholic who barely ever went to church. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, she stopped driving. She got in an accident at a, at a, a middle age and stopped driving. And so my mom and, and, and her sister, and her, they, they, didn't, they didn't really go that many places unless somebody picked them up. And a neighbor saw this family, met these, these girls, and began to faithfully pick up my mom and drive her to church every week. My mom met Jesus uh, at that church, got called into ministry, went 24 hours down to a college called Southwestern, met my dad who was from Emmaus, Pennsylvania. What are the chances? They got married. They, they did what married people do. I came sliding out into this world, right? <laughs> On a two, well, right? My, my life is different because a neighbor shared something that they love with someone that they love. I mean, think about how often we do that. I, I love to smell good. I love to smell good. Anybody else in here? I asked first service. They were like, I'm like, we, we need to have a different sermon, right? You should smell good, right? 
I love to smell good. And so for years, I was a, a curve man. Anybody ever hear, hear, you know what I'm talking about? Curve worked. Right? It worked. In fact, I remember I had a coat. I had this coat. It was a, and it, I think it was a Levi's coat. It had fur on it. I used to spray curve on that like I was going out, it was going out of business. And I started dating Leah. And she wanted, one night, she loved me so much. She was like, I don't know how the conversation, but she took my coat with her, right? And she, she wanted to smell me while she was sleeping. We were so in love. And, and she, that actually made her fall more in love with me. And so, so I just kept buying Curve. And I, I literally, literally, I was in my, in my almost 40 years old, and I'm still wearing Curve. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And my wife said to me one day, she said, listen, you got to get a new cologne. <laughs> right? If they start selling your cologne at Marshalls, TJ Maxx, Ross, right? That's when you need to get a new cologne. So I Googled, cool, young men, cologne. Popular. I don't know what to get. And I landed on this cologne. It's called Creed Aventus. It was number one most popular cologne for young men. I, I looked it up on Amazon or something like that. It was like $400. I, I was spending $13.99. I'm getting a, literally a Costco-sized bottle of Curve. I'm bathing in it. So I went on Amazon and I typed in oils. I don't know why I typed in oils, but everybody's always talking about oils. And so I typed in oils and I found this, this knockoff impression of Creed Aventus for $7.95. I bought it. I bought two. I got crazy, right? And I started wearing this. I never smelled Creed. I don't know what it smells. And people were stopping me everywhere. I went to pray for somebody in the hospital one, one day. And this older lady in the hospital, I was writing my name down. I said, I'm a pastor. And she said, boy, you smell good. <laughs> I texted Leah. I was like, this lady, old lady said, I smell good. And she was like, that's not a compliment. And so like, <laughs> right? But people started, and, and, like everywhere, hey, you smell good. Hey, you smell good. So you know what I started doing? I started carrying this bottle around with me everywhere. I would pull it out, and I'd be like, it's $7.95 on Amazon. <laughs> I talked about this cologne so much that they found me, and they started to I, 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 like send me free samples of this cologne because I talk about it so much. That part's not true, but just in case you're watching, <laughs> call a brother, right? <laughs> you guys are like, dang, that's awesome, right? And I'm, it's just, it just was natural. It wasn't like I was like, oh, I'm embarrassed. And here's the thing about it. Maybe, maybe, I started thinking about this. Like, I didn't have to tell people about my cologne because they smelled it. So here's another little thought for you. Maybe the reason you're having such a hard time sharing your faith is because your faith don't have any kind of smell. You go to church every week, and that is the only noticeable difference between you and everybody else. And let me just tell you, if that is the only difference between you and everybody else, please stop coming to church. What a waste of time. I come here every week and listen to this guy. He screams at me. Sing a couple songs and we leave. Where, 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 where's the grace? Where's the kindness? Where, where, where's the joy in your life? If nobody's ever asking you about your life and what's different about you, maybe you should evaluate. Something I love was, was someone I love. Let me just give you a few more thoughts. Number, number two is this, just quickly. Um, real evangelism invites in a language that is understandable. Real evangelism invites in a language. So let me, let me just ask you. If you're going to go on a trip to uh, Paris, France, 
When you get to that trip, even though you speak English and you go to this country and you've paid all sorts of money and it's your, it's your right to speak in your language that you already know because that's what's naturalist to you and that's where you feel most comfortable. If you go there and you start speaking in English to every person who speaks French, what happens? If you tell everybody there, I say hello. That's how I say it. Hello. Now, most people would know because that's a basic word, but let's just say they never heard English before. They would look at you like you have two heads. What would you say to people if you want to say hello in, 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 in French? What's the word? You listened, right? Bonjour. It is my responsibility as a tourist that's paid all sorts of money to speak a language that they understand, not their responsibility to understand me. Now, the church has a real problem. We'll be like, I'm sharing the truth. And the truth sets people free, but nobody understands what you're saying. I can't figure it out. You get online and you just bombard people with the, with the truth from the Bible, right? Here's the truth, right? Read Revelation. Like, what the heck is that? And I love this part of, of the scripture because Philip shows us exactly what to do. The Bible says that Philip finds Nathaniel and tells him, we found the one. By the way, do you see the word? How many people met, 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 met Jesus? How many is Philip? Come on, if we lost this, we in trouble. How many people is Philip? He's one. When he talks to Nathaniel, what word does he use? We, me and you. We both been there. Remember when we were struggling in our addiction? We gonna find a healer. Remember when we were boys and we were like joking around and, man, I, and we, we were never really happy. I found somebody that gives me real joy. We, we can go see them. Too many times it's like, yeah, you can come to church. I'll be there. It's not a we mindset. We, we, we found the one. And he speaks to him in a language he would understand. Here's why. He's a Jewish man. Nathaniel's a Jewish man. He goes to synagogue. He reads the Torah. He's read the prophecies. What Philip's doing is saying, hey, that guy that me and you've been reading about for years, that thing we've been searching for, we found him. He speaks in a language. Hey, 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 you're struggling in your marriage? I was struggling too. We found the answer to that. Hey, you trying to figure out how to raise these kids? I know they're crazy. We found the answer to that. Hey, you, hey, you, hey, you remember how we always were trying to try and find peace? We were, we've been trying to figure it out, me and you. We've been going to the same doctors, trying to get the same the antidepressants and all stuff. Man, I got, I got healed of that. We, we found the answer. Come on, let's go, let's go meet him. Speaking a language that's easy to understand. I don't know if you've ever known. Everything we do at church we think to ourselves as a church, does this make sense to somebody who's never been to church before? Does the music make sense? When we explain something in church, does it make sense? When we sing something, does it make sense? Does it make sense when you pull in here? And uh, does it make sense if, if, if somebody actually wanted you here? How, how, where would we, we would meet you in the parking lot and tell you, hey, it's great to have you here, not make you walk all the way into this place. If we really wanted you here, we'll play music that you, you understand, right? Like some of you are like, why do you play rap music? It seems so ungodly. It seems so not right. It seems so unbiblical. Listen, rap is in the Bible, somewhere in the book of Leviticus. You can find it. <laughs> you want to speak in an understanding way. So you're like, why do you always explain Paul and, and David and all these things? I want to talk to somebody who's never been here before and explain to them the greatest story in an understandable 
way. In fact, I love it. The book of Acts, the greatest argument in the book of Acts. So you've never, you've never been to church before. Acts is like um, Jesus leaves, the church starts. And so anytime you get a group of people together trying to start something significant, problems arise. One of the biggest problems in the early church is Jewish people and Gentile people are coming to the same church. That's a big deal. Jewish people followed the law, were circumcised at at a young age, and now we're finding faith in Christ. So the argument was, do you need to be circumcised as well as receive Christ as your Lord and Savior to become part of the church? The first answer was yes. Could you imagine that? Welcome to church tonight. We're going to take our next steps tonight. If you're a male and you've not been circumcised, head back to the back. George is going to do it, right? They're arguing about that. So they get together and they have what is a very important meeting where they say this probably isn't the best way to do it. And they say this, I love this in Acts 15, it says, it's our judgment that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Highlight that. It should not be difficult to get to God. Colossians 4 says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. What's interesting is you would think he would say, let it be full of truth and then grace. He says, let it be full of grace and seasoned with salt. You ever eat something with too much salt? It's disgusting. Some of you are way too spiritually salty. Let it be seasoned or or, or full of grace, full of kindness, the Bible says, seasoned with grace. Let me give you two more. Josh, you can come play me out so I preach faster. Number three, it's okay. Here's a really good one. Okay, you ever ask somebody to come to church uh, or invite them to know Jesus and they they just kind of laugh at you? Or they're like, that's stupid. I hate telling people I'm a pastor. Hate it. As soon as I tell somebody I'm a pastor, you can see it. You know why? Uh, so we have this term in our culture. It's called PTSD. Right? A lot of people have CTSD. Church traumatic stress disorder. Jews, you tell them you go to church. It's like you just told them you like the Cowboys. <laughs> it's awful. So I lie to people. They're like, what do you do? I'm like, I help people. <laughs> I help them. I'm a coach, I talk to people, right? Like, Because as soon as you tell somebody you're, you're a pastor, you tell, you tell somebody you're, you're it's like it's people, people shut down. And then sometimes you ask somebody to come to church and they just downright make fun of you and they just tell you your faith is stupid and they just, and, and what happens is sometimes if you're not spiritually mature, right, in that thing, you, you want to start a fight with that person and win a war with that person and you win a war spiritually with them but you lose their soul. I want to remind you, confidence is always calm and quiet. I can tell you who the, 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 the people who are not confident are, uh, the people who are loudest. They're overcompensating. So I want to show you how Philip handles it, right? He, uh, he, uh, he goes to Nathaniel, his friend, and he says, hey, we met Jesus. And, and did, you, did you remember what Nathaniel says? He says, Nazareth, does anything good come from there? That means he had a bad experience. By the way, that's why we meet people in the parking lot because studies suggest you only have a few moments to make an impression on somebody that will last a lifetime. How many people been to church and nobody cared they were there and they walk away and think to themselves, they don't care so God must not care? How many times has somebody walked through the doors of a church and felt judged, ridiculed, out, outcasted, different than other people? 
my favorite this week for the church. We were super shiny, uh, along with the book of Revelation and all this other stuff that's going on. Uh, the church also criticized the baptism of the, 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 the tattoo artist, Kat Van D or whatever her name is, right? You know what I'm talking about? They were great. She's satanic. She's a witch. She's all, I'm like, I'm like, it's a great job, church. You already suck, and now you suck more. In fact, somebody in our church posted, hey, come to our church. Everybody looks like that. Right? I was like, they're not lying. Sometimes I worry, right? And so, and I just, I, I, I love, I love what he says. He says, can anything good come from here? And he does what I, what confidence looks like. He, he just says this. I love this because it's so stinking significant. He just says this. He says, uh, just come and see. Just, just, I don't know what to tell you, man. Just come and see. Some of you might be an invitation to a home group because a lot of times people go to home groups before they go to church and you invite them to a home group. They're like, man, these Christians are weird. They've they got agendas. They're pushy. They're, and, and you just say to them, um, not my group. Just come and see. Just like, well, come to church. I, I, I don't know, man. Nothing good happens at church. Nobody wants me at church. Everybody, man, just, just, come, just come and see. And here's what's so cool. So he, he, he agrees. Right? And he starts to, you know the moment where like, you invite somebody, invite somebody, and then they eventually come to church with you, and you're like, oh my gosh, and you're so nervous. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, please don't let them talk about money, hell, cats, right? Like, let them be normal today. Let the music be good, right? Like, you're, I hope we sing these three songs. I hate that one song. And, and you better have somebody making good coffee. And like, you're really, really nervous. And so I think, I think Philip's a little nervous. Like, he's like, all right, let's go. You're coming. All right, let's go. Come on. And they're walking to Jesus. And uh, here, here's the last thing I would say to you about evangelism. It's, it, I want you to remember this. Um, evangelism, it's all about Jesus doing the heavy lifting. This is really important. Because if you carry the weight of sharing your faith and saving people and having the right words, and you're, you're going you're to be terrified. You're, you're never going to say nothing. You're never going to invite anybody. It's, it's just going to be bad, right? We have to remember that, that sharing your faith is all about Jesus doing the heavy lifting. Watch what the Bible says. Uh, in verse 47, it says, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, why? Jesus was planning on him coming. He, he already, before all of it happened, he found Nathanael. He desired and taught Nathan, or, or Philip, go find Nathanael. He's already thinking about Nathanael. This is really important. Your friends, Jesus is already thinking about them. He's already planning out the perfect Sunday. He's given the right, the right instructions, the right, the, the right conversations. He put the right people in their life. You. Wake up. He put you there for a reason. They're walking. The Bible says he sees Nathaniel. He says, here's truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And what, is, what does he say? How do you know me? How do you know me? And then Jesus just shows off. He's like, yo, bro, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree. Like you, before Philip even got to you, I saw you. I saw you picking your nose. I saw all that, right? Like, it's so profound. And the Bible says that he hears that. He's like, oh, dang. You truly are God. You truly are God. And he changes Nathaniel's life forever. Nathaniel goes on to become a disciple. He's an early church father. Uh, they go on to change the world. But it wasn't through this super long religious conversation, having all the answers. 
It was through getting Nathaniel into the presence of Jesus and letting Jesus do the heavy lifting. You ever read in Hebrews? Uh, it says that the word of God is alive and active. Like maybe you had this experience one time. I know I did. When I was in the, the room in Hershey when I was 18 years old, there was thousands of people in this room, thousands of young people. I grew up in church my whole life. I, I heard every Bible story. Uh, the guy that was preaching, I had heard him personally at my church. He was not, I was not impressed by him. I had heard his jokes. He was a youth pastor, preacher, and so he had all sorts of stupid jokes. And I, I was not feeling him at all. And in that room with a thou, thousands of kids, with very similar common th- elements that I've been around, in that room I was trying to sneak out of the, of, the, of the arena to go meet a girlfriend that I had met, right? And uh, I told you the story. And God, the presence of God, stopped me on the steps of that place and met me in a real place. And it was like nobody else was around. How many times does that happen when you're like, yeah, I came to church, and it felt like the message was for me. That's really arrogant of you, by the way. <laughs> right? You ever do that? You're like, I'm going to pray it doesn't rain tomorrow. Right? Like, if you, like, your prayer for your day, your plans is the most important thing. But that's how it is with God. He's a personal God who sent his one and only son that personally sees us, loves us, wants to have a relationship with us. And Nathaniel's life is changed forever. What was Philip's job? Come and see. Come and see. Could you imagine if we all got this? I like the word mobilize. It feels really spiritual. Could you imagine if this service especially got mobilized in this area of their life? If you understood neighbors, co-workers, coaches I'm with, uh, kids that are around me at school, everywhere I go, I'm there for a reason. The pressure is not on me to save people, but God's given me the task to invite people, to bring people into his presence. Could you imagine? Some of you got that one co-worker, that one neighbor, that one family member that you think God could never change him. Could you imagine when you are allowed, you allow God to use you and you get them into this, into this space and they experience the grace of God and the mercy and the presence of God and their life is changed in a moment. Could you imagine how powerfully impactful that's going to be, not only to them, but to your faith? Could you imagine what would happen if we get this? Would you stand to your feet? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Here's where we're going to start. I'm going to ask you this question. First question. I think it's important. Do, Do you love the gospel? Do you love it? Do you love it? And here's, not only do you love it, but do you honestly believe it? Because the implications of the gospel being true are devastatingly important to those around us. If this is not true, if this is just one way of living, then Jesus is a liar. At best, he's crazy. At worst, he's somebody you shouldn't trust. Because his words are simple. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. Let me just break down that message. Everyone sins. The wages of sin is death and hell, but the gift of God is eternal life. How? Because I'm going to lay down my life for you on that cross. I'm going to shed my blood. 
I'm going to let them abuse me. I'm going to carry the weight of the shame. I'm going to experience what it's like to have my father turn from me because of my sin. Because I carried that on the cross. But I'm going to defeat it. They're going to put my body in the tomb. And on the third day, I'm going to come back. I'm going to pay the price in full of sin. I'm going to defeat, defeat both death and hell. It's through me that everybody on this earth can have a relationship with their heavenly father. It's grace, it's mercy, it's forgiveness, it's real love. Do you get it? Maybe that's where you start. Here's the thing about it. The gospel is not something you mentally understand. That's a good start. It's something you give your life to. You humble yourself before God. You admit you don't have it all figured out. You tell him you don't want to live one more day with Adam and you call on his name. The Bible says he'll save you. He'll meet you right there. I don't care where you're at, what you've been through, what you've brought into this place, how many mistakes that you've made. The grace of God's enough. The grace of God is enough. The Bible says where sin increased, grace increased all the more. The grace of God is enough. It can cover your sin. So maybe, maybe, maybe this is for you. Sometimes we do these, these altar times and it's like, oh, this is for a new person. But sometimes, sometimes it's for somebody who's been here for years. You can park yourself in a garage as a person for the rest of your life and never be a car, right? You can sit, you, I'm, I'm going to sit in this garage and never become a car. You can sit in church every Sunday and never call on the name of Jesus and put your faith in him. You can understand it with your head, but miss Jesus by 18 inches. Miss him with your heart. I'm asking you if you ever have fallen in love with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You ever allowed that message to humble you? You rely on it. It's your highest prize. It's your greatest joy. It's why you live and breathe. It's because you have Jesus Christ. And if not, why don't you do that first today? The Bible says that you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he'll save you, that he'll forgive you, that he'll heal you, and he'll make you whole. So that's where we're going to start. I don't know Christ, but I need to. Heads bowed and eyes closed. For somebody brand new to church, somebody been here for years. Like you've literally been here for years. You've grown up in church. You can quote the Bible, but your life hasn't changed. The fruit of the Spirit is not evident. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. You're not grown into the person you're supposed to be. When you're in sin, you don't feel any conviction. But something's shifting in your spirit right now. Something's changing. Today's a different day. Today you've clearly heard the word of God. It's alive and active in this room. It's knocking at the door of your heart. You're going to say, yes, I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. The Bible says to humble yourself. Here's a step of humility. Ready? A little bit of bravery, a little bit of humility, a little bit of, bit of courage. I don't know Jesus Christ like that, but I need to. All over this house, front to back, side to side, in Montgomeryville, even online. I don't know Jesus Christ. I'm going to humble myself before him. I'm going to give him my life. I'm going to ask him to forgive me, heal me, and make me whole all over this house. We'll start there. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, I don't know Jesus Christ. I don't know the gospel. It hasn't changed me. I see a hand back here. Is there anybody else? I see a hand right here. Another hand right here. Another hand right here. 
all over these houses. Let's just pray together. Say, Jesus Christ, today I give you my life. I'm not going to live without you one more day. I put my faith, my future, my past in your hands. From this day forward, I'm going to follow you. Thank you for your love, your forgiveness, and your grace. I'm a changed person. And as we sit in that for a second, as we sit there, Holy Spirit, would you, would you sweep across this room right now? Would you, would you awaken the church? God, we can't, we can't look at our world and uh, not be shaken, not be stirred as followers of Christ. But Lord, it's not a time for church to get closed off, to hunker down, to get afraid, to get confused, to get quiet. Oh, it's time for the church to rise, to show your kindness, to show your mercy, to share your love. God, there's people in this place, they're in the, the exact businesses, um, the homes, the neighborhoods, the families. They have friends right now that, that they sit with week in and week out. Lord, would you, make it, would you make it almost impossible for us to be around people that don't know you and not feel compelled to share your goodness and grace? How can we not? If you're as good as we say you are, if you're as grace-filled as we believe you are, if you're as kind as we've experienced you are, if you can really change the way we say you can change, how can we not share our faith? Lord, would you stir something so mightily in this place that it's almost impossible to not see that? Would we be the kindest, most grace-filled, most, here's one, most generous church that is around right now? Would we use our times, our talent, and our treasure for you? Why? Because time is short. The Bible says you're not slow in returning, but you're giving more people more time to experience your grace and your mercy. Not one more day are we going to waste. Not one more opportunity are we going to miss. Lord, you're going to awaken something. You're going to mobilize this church. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in this place. Lord, thank you for your gospel. We love you. We don't deserve it. We love you. We thank you for all that you continue to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Hey, if you're excited about that, would you shout amen and clap together now? Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, Visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.